Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. Today, we've got Topsy Turvy Brewery on from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and we have Chris. And Jonathan had the pleasure of meeting Chris uh, through some different uh, brewery connections. So, Jonathan, take it away. Yeah, so Chris Riffenberg is, he's, you, you may recognize his name as the um, head brewer from Ale Asylum in Madison. R.I.P. Uh, rest in peace, Ale Asylum, yes. But he is now the brewmaster at Topsy Turvy in Lake Geneva. And so we chat with Chris about his beer and brewing journey from going, you know, from from this this huge, he started at, at um, the Angelic in Madison and on to Ale Asylum, helped them get going and, and up and running and just, you know, Ale Asylum is this this was this huge brewery, and now is it at this little tiny topsy turvy brewery uh, brewery in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin? And Chris talks about how he really is excited about this this current venture that he's on and being able to express his brewing yeah. and beer creativity. And he talks about obviously as many brewers are or have done before starting in the home brewing realm and now he feels like that he can get back into that creativity and really that the passion and the pride of creating beer uh in a in a fun creative expressive kind of way so we talk about that and uh chris has been around the the craft beer industry for for almost two decades that's a long time in the craft craft brewing scene so uh you'll (laughs) you'll hear him go go way back from there yeah, and and having met up with Chris at the Topsy Turvy Tap Room a few weeks ago, you certainly that that came through, that shown through as far as his excitement, his passion, his just energy about the beers that were available in the tap room and talking with people that were coming through the tap room about those beers and they have they have quite a wide variety of beers at Topsy Turvy too. So, um and and located right downtown Lake Geneva. So, grab yourself a beer. Don't drink too many so you're not too topsy-turvy when you're listening to this episode of Topsy-Turvy <laughs> Brewery. And enjoy our conversation with Chris from Topsy-Turvy Brewery in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Cheers to our sponsors. Hey, Jonathan, have you heard any exciting news lately? Well, it just so happens I have the very first Pour Another Round Outdoor Winter Beer Festival is coming to Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's right. On March 4th of 2023, we will be at the grounds outside of Badger State Brewing, right near some people's favorite football stadium, Lambeau Field. (laughs) You can join us and 15 other breweries pouring beers. They're from around Wisconsin. We'll have some food trucks, fire pits, brewery, and pour another round merch sales. All the fun. And it's just $35 in advance and $45 at the gate. Gets you a commemorative tasting glass and unlimited tastings 1 to 4 p.m. on March 4th. And that also gets you those three hours to hang out with your favorite Pour Another Round hosts. You should say your favorite podcast hosts. You're right. You're right. You can hang out with, <laughs> hang out with them too. So head to pouranotherround.com or you can get your tickets at Eventbrite as well. Please drink responsibly and take advantage of our discounted designated driver tickets. See you March 4th. I'm 
Cameron. And I'm Jonathan. We We like like beer. beer. We're a podcast by beer lovers, for beer lovers, and with beer creators. Some of our best stories start with beer. Now it's time to make beer the story. Each hoppy pour has been on an often unexpected journey to become the brews you love. So pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. And if you like beer, like breweries, like some bad jokes and great puns, and like this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you can learn about all of our upcoming breweries we have on tap. Today on Pour Another Round, we are here with Chris Riffenberg from Topsy Turvy Brewery in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. You might uh, recognize Chris's name from the the brewing industry, from being with Ale Asylum for a long time in Madison as well. So we're super stoked to to have Chris here and, and talk about his brewing background and, and what you're doing with Topsy Turvy, Chris. So thanks for joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, Chris, it sounds like you uh, you have quite a, a resume and uh, well-known Wisconsin breweries on your, your docket. But talk about how you initially got into the, the beer world. Where did, where did that whole thing start for you? I was, you know, young, young you're 21. You, you know, I mean, we all drank a little, you know, before we were 21. So let's not, let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's get around that. But, uh, you know, once you're, you know, I turned 21 and I was, I was able to go out and, you know, experience breweries and go and, and try different things. I mean, this was in the inf- kind of the infancy of, you know, brew pubs, you know, microbreweries, Goose Island was just starting. So I just, I enjoyed drinking beer and I didn't know anything about making it, but I did know a lot about computers. And so I, my, my, I went to school for electronic engineering. Uh, it's my degree. And, you know, during my uh, time, it was at Herzing College. At the time it was called Wisconsin School of Electronics, uh, now called Herzing College. And kind of the infancy of, of PCs, you know, we're kind of talking right now, doing this over uh, the, the web and the internet. Um, this was kind of all starting thanks, know, back Al Gore. in 1998. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> and, and and so, you know, I kind of, I really started kind of leaning into that, you know, that sector and that side of of the technology that I, you know, technologies that I was learning. And, and of course, you know, the theory of how a circuit works and how we get 110 volts to a to to you know things or 12 volts or how we get that and is all good to know but uh really these days it's about technology i mean kids you know five years old these days know to use phones better than we do so you know it's really a lot about technology in a lot of ways so i i was doing computers and i was doing a lot of i was working for a company that basically uh developed uh, electro neurodiagnostic software and uh, I was building computers on the sides for my friends, for myself, and I was going to breweries. And I was going to a, bre- a brewery particular a lot in Madison uh, called the Angelic. And that, that was, you know, back in the back in the day. I think they ended up uh, closing in 2006 or 2007. I can't remember. But I started going down there and uh, my buddy, uh, I'm from Sheboygan. So my buddy from Sheboygan was a bouncer down there. I made a built a computer for him, and he. Long story short, he talked to Dean, uh, Dean Coffee, the brewmaster at the time, 
and he uh, was having a problem with his computer. And I said, hey, my buddy does this. He can help you. And so Dean got a hold of me and I went over there and, you know, kind of fixed his problem and got things taken care of. And, and he's like, well, I don't have a lot of money to pay you. So I was like, well, you know what, man? I was like, I like drinking beer, but, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe you could like teach me how to make beer and then just give me ingredients when I need them. That'd be kind of cool. And so he said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he grabs a book and he just hands the book to me. He said, read this. And I'm like, oh, uh, oh okay. Uh, and it was Charlie Papazian's Complete Joy of Home Brewing. I mean, it's it's kind of the Bible if you're going to start brewing at your house. Uh, this, is, this is volume one. Uh, it was a signed copy by Charlie Papazian and it had notes in it from Dean and a lot of his homebrew stuff. And so I actually got my own copy. I was like, dude, I can't take yours. Like this has got too much stuff in there that <laughs> basically like his, his recipe book. Yeah, kind of. So, so I was like, I bought my own. And so I started reading and, you know, I got the, the things that I needed to make a homebrew and uh, Dean ended up coming over to my house and making my first homebrew with me. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Of course, you know, he's, Dean is a really kind of, he wants you to be able to learn and, and, and do it by experience as well. Um, I brewed a porter, you know, hindsight, I wouldn't brew a porter um, as my first beer, but I did. And so from there, I really started liking it. And then I started getting into the cleaning and, and I'm pretty uh, clean, uh, organized person as it is. So I just started kind of really getting into it. And then I was like, oh man, it, this tastes good. And so I was like, you know, following the regimens. And, and so I started home brewing and I started doing it a lot. And I mean, I was brewing every weekend and I started, uh, you know, kind of making stuff. And, and from there, I just kind of started going down the path and I was home brewing for a couple of years. And then uh, Dean um, asked me if I wanted to, to come work down at the Angelic. And I you know, he said, I can't pay you a lot of money, but I can do this, this, and this. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And he said, this was, this was all under the premise that we were going to start our own brewery. You know, we were going to start it, start our own stuff and which would eventually become Ale Asylum. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. So, I mean, I was, you know, I was just a, a young energetic kid that, you know, was just out of college that, <laughs> had disposable income and lots of friends that liked to drink beer <laughs> and, 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 you know, really kind of wanted to make it a profession. And, 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 and I think not just for the beer aspect, because, but there's so many aspects that I went through when I was in, in college that totally apply. I mean, again, some of the stuff that we're doing right now, even with the cameras and all this stuff, I mean, this was just like the most, and this was technology I was working with at the company before I became a brewer. We were doing things like this and it, it was just beyond. So I was really excited, but brewing is a lot of technology involved. I mean, there's a lot of, just besides the science, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that need to work for you to be able to make some beer. Now, I mean, you know, if you're doing it on your stove or something like that, you turn your stove on, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, but if you're going to do it on a, on a little bit more of a professional scale, it's definitely, there's a lot to it. And, and so, you know, kind of knowing some of those uh, electronic backgrounds and being able to 
fix things and, and having a, an idea of how plumbing works and, and stuff like that. Really, I got to learn at the Angelic. I mean, we, you know, we had to fix, fix stuff all the time. Well, and that was, you know, give or take, give or take 20 years ago, let's call it. And oh, yeah. that was yeah. a lot of like, you know, dials and valves and obviously you need to know plumbing and whatnot. But fast forward to 2023 yeah. with brewing, like you're pushing buttons on a touchscreen that is controlling even more technologically advanced stuff. So like to know how that all works, you, yes, you have to know brewing still, but technology plays a huge factor in brewing now. Oh, it does. And, and, and I don't do that at my little brewery. I okay. have a little three barrel brew house. Um, it's very manual. Yeah. I have a brewmation screen that I turn, uh, electronic elements on and off. Basically there's a timer. Um, that's about all I use on the screen. I could turn it into uh, simple switches of my own. Um, but they already have them there, so I'm not going to mess with it <laughs> um, as it is. But but uh, <laughs> I was actually talking about this with my assistant that works with me a couple days a week. Her name's Hannah. And I told her, I said, Hannah, you know, when we're brewing, I said, you know, a lot of this, you know, in a big brewery would be automated. You'd walk in and there's a panel of, of, of buttons like you just, or a touchscreen, basically. You're looking at an HMI and you don't know how the valves got flipped. And if you never had brewed before, you would just walk in and they say, push this button, push this button, push this button. Um, when we built the Ale Asylum, we had automation. So we touched the screens. We did it through our phones. We did it through, we could, I could brew through my phone or a tablet mm-hmm. or whatever. It didn't matter. Um, but you still had to go physically open valves. Um, we put the automation in there for the valves if we eventually wanted to add all that automation, but you know, brewing up to a certain size, you're still flipping valves. You still have to learn it. But yeah, once you get into real big brew houses, like you go to Wisconsin brewing company and you know, you go over to, you know, uh, city brewing and, you know, just these bigger brew nuclearis. I mean, everything's automated. Everything's on a screen just cause it's, it's large. Yeah. <laughs> you're a lot you're of messing with the, the valve. Well, and even the valves at that size plumbing, or you're opening five, six, seven, eight-inch valves, those aren't actually easy to open with your strength. You actually need mechanical strength to open and close them because there's there's seats that need to be seated, metal on on plastic or rubber, or you know, there's just a lot of things. And and yeah, so at that point, you're talking about safety and and all kinds of things you you don't want to be kind of anywhere down <laughs> below there because you can't even open this stuff yeah. um right. i don't know if you guys have ever been through a really big brewery you know an underbelly of a big big brewery and a lot of times you just see the skirt on top right and there's a lot of stuff going on underneath that's <laughs> you, i have not been under there but you're not making me want to go under one <laughs> <laughs> no, some of them are beautiful. I mean, they're just absolutely gorgeous. They just don't let you down there because that that that's not worthy to go. But um, big breweries certainly automation is part of it. But um, we always taught our people how to, you know, brewing was always up to the last spot, and because brewing beat was. You know, like we had recipes together. We had we had a way our spreadsheet just for different size tanks and how much we were doing and different kinds of malts that we were using would take all these factors into account, take a lot of stuff out of their hands where we just say, this is what you need to do. And But all the other stuff is so variable within a brewery. It's crazy. Um, you know, packaging lines and, and big cellaring tanks and, um, you know, centrifuges and stuff like that. Um, my brewery is so small. It's 
so much more simple. <laughs> but I've seen both. You know, I've seen you know the you know things turning like crazy, um, and then things where they're a little bit more uh, laid back. You know, we brew two to three times a week, um, and then even from there, um, I was talking with some customers today that. You know, we get to, I get to do some fun stuff, even with brew or beers that I have existing as beers, I can turn into other things with lots of ingredients that are out there available to do things. Um, <laughs> and, and it's kind of fun. Um, things that I wasn't able to do at a, at a bigger brewery that, that, you know, we, we were doing things that were a lot more regimented. Um, not that things aren't regimented now, um, because they are, but just within a, a spectrum of, of making sure that you write down all your records for all the things that you're doing so you can do it again. Right. Yeah. And so Chris, how has that transition been? So you, you went for, you started with fixing computers at a brewery <laughs> to, you know, working at ale asylum, being a, a huge part of starting up ale asylum. And, and, and of course, ale asylum, unfortunately is, is no longer around, but you know, going from the scale of ale asylum to now you're at Topsy Turvy in Lake Geneva, which you've, you've alluded to the, the smallness, the size of it. How is that transition to go from such a large scale brewery to something real small that you're, you know, I had the, the chance to see your brewery a, a couple of weeks ago and, and it's a small space. Yeah. It's really small. Yeah. You know, sometimes, um, <laughs> And I think this is only through experience that sometimes if you don't have enough uh, ability, not ability in yourself, uh, with yourself, but uh, ability to hire other people when there's financial uh, restrictions, uh, you can't hire the help that you need to keep a brewery the size of Ale Asylum running. And it gets stressful sometimes. And so... The transition is actually really nice. Uh, I, I I look at things and they're so little. They're like little baby toys. <laughs> like it reminds me. It re- really reminds me of going back to home brewing, just a little bit bigger, you know. And it all means something. Um, my home brews meant everything to me, and I always wanted to make them good. I'm a perfectionist. I I wanted my friends to like them. I want them to, you know, like I I, I and I wanted to drink them. Frankly, so. Yeah, it's been fun. I like it. I've kind of embraced it. I, 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 I needed at some point. I was getting to a point where I needed to start to express a little bit more creativity and and try new things. So, you know, the formulating and recipe scaling, uh, for me, has not been very hard at all because uh, have a wonderful uh, tool uh, that uh, a, a coworker of mine that works at at Carbon Four. His name is Joe Waltz. Um, I call him the savant, you know, he, he made, <laughs> he's, he's extremely, smart. uh, just off the charts, but he made a, he made a Bible that we kind of, that we developed at ale asylum and it translates to my little system. And so that's been really nice to be able to be able to use the, that tool and kind of move and translate my recipe formulating to, to a different to a different system, but it's been fun. I mean, I, I, it's just, again, I've never really been encouraged by anybody to take something and do this to it and make this out of it and just try different things. And, and it's kind of fun. The other thing is the beer goes away pretty quick. 
So it's kind of it's kind of nice. I get to make okay. things turn turn and burn. Well, so you you mentioned that uh, you needed this almost you you were you're feeling this pull toward uh, doing something where you can express yourself a little bit more creatively in the beer, topsy turvy flipping it upside down. Uh, while also making flipping good beer, as uh, as your website states, <laughs> but like, what does that uh, that creative expression look like for you when it comes to beer? Like home brewing, then to a larger scale brewery, now to your three barrel system. So, like, where's the where's the creativity flow to you now, and and what does that mean for you? Well, it, it flows because every batch that I'm brewing, I, I mean, I've done so, I mean, the amount of recipes that I've built over 20 years, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of recipes and, and, and a lot of them developed in different times of my life, right. With different tools that were available to be able to use. Um, and when I say tools, I mean, you know, when I started out as a home brewer 22 plus years ago, I mean, we had 20 different kinds of hops times have changed 10 different kinds of yeasts yeah and 26 <laughs> bjcp style guidelines and, and now there's 126 so so th- even in that in that vein but you know i brewed a lot of different like beers over the years and now it's time to alter those beer you know like still make those beers and even make try to make them better because of course getting better at even making the simple things is what i want to do mm-hmm. But taking those beers and expressing them in a different way by like, it's like, like auto tune. I said it the, you know, it's like, if you just add a little auto tune to it, what does it do? It's not, I don't want the whole song to be auto tune, but if I did it right here, what does it do? You know what I mean? And, and that's what I'm kind of doing with different, even any deep regular style beers. I'm just, I've been, I've got some crazy, I got a new beer coming on on Saturday that's, pretty pretty wild um something i didn't think i'd ever put together but it it, it's gonna it's gonna work so it's been it's been a lot of fun to take what i would call like kind of in the box recipes you know like uh a nut brown a a porter uh, a stout and just really add on to those things and and even think about things beyond that uh you know i've had recipes that i didn't even ever get to make um so now i get to make those recipes which is super fun <laughs> yeah and you guys do have quite a variety of beers on your menu at topsy-turvy too i mean you had you know lagers and sours and golden ales oh, yeah. and porters yep. and you know for being a, a relatively small brewery and tap room there's i mean there was quite a list of beers that were available on tap and and the taps were full and and you had talked to me about that being important to you too, that you want people to come in and see, you know, a full tap list. You want there to be something for, you know, anyone to try, you know, no matter what their, their likes and, and dislikes and see that, you know, see a full tap lineup with your, your tap handles across the oh, board. Abs- absolutely. I, I mean, to me, it's, an, you get such a variety of customers, no matter, no matter where you go in this world, right. If you're going to go drink beer, the culture in there is going to be diverse. And so having the ability to be able to uh, just touch somebody, you know what I mean? With that style of beer, be it a style they like to drink. Um, they're not a huge, maybe they're not a huge beer drinker and they're curious about things and they see a different style that they've never tried and they want to try it. You know, in my versions of the, of these styles are only one way to see them. 
or drink them and and taste them. So right. I like the fact that I can try to recreate what I think of these styles and then also give them different stuff they've never tried before uh, based off of those styles too. Like I was just mentioning before, just, just changing the whole thing, adding stuff to it to make it something a, totally different and, and trying to do that at, and having 20 taps, it, it's, you, you got to keep beers flowing there. I mean, there's four beers in the tanks right now. And I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, we have a distribute our, uh, uh, contract brewing partner that we that we use to brew uh cans and kegs and and so the cans that we have at retail and then anything you would see in distribution uh would be brewed at that facility and then they also do kegs as well which helps of course because i'll be able to have those kegs uh on the draft lines as well so you know like you like Jonathan, we're the the tanks are little. There there's six of them down there. You you, you and I can fill yep. have four of them full at one time. The way I do things, you can have four full at one time. You know, if I could get a little filter or something like that, I could probably fill five and then skip a step and then just be able to go into a bright tank, which you know at some point maybe we'll talk about. But well, we have. Uh poured around here and so let's talk about one of your beers we've been drinking your topsy-turvy hazy ipa lotus stellar nova tell us about that beer it's it's super good i you know i'm hazies have been you know a craze for a while right now and i feel like they're they're everywhere everyone's doing their own spins on hazy ipas i've kind of i don't know kind of can take or leave them now i think but this one is is really good i really like this it's hazy a lot. It's it's super easy to drink. And the lotus hops are are kind of a unique hop in and of themselves. You know, there's citric or uh, citra and mosaic in there, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's a little it's seven percent ABV. The color, you know, is is kind of a light color, and and haziness over time will yeah. drop out. I mean, I know the haze craze is is one thing, but packaged hazy beers have a maximum shelf life of three months of being hazy and that's been proven by big 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 breweries that do this so yeah i mean it's a great beer we also have an, another one uh, the original which is they use el dorado hops instead yep. same abv okay. basically same beer just kind of different hops that's kind of the flagships sure. when they when they started those were the uh, recipes i did not design those recipes i've kind of left those recipes be what they were originally because i mean sometimes you know it's kind of like at ale asylum and hopalicious you know what i mean you kind of don't want to mess with hopalicious too much you, you know like <laughs> like i always wanted to make changes and stuff and we're like nah, we can't really do that uh, and, and and i understand so and and you know when you kind of have been leading uh deer to the salt lick for so long you know you you don't really want to move the salt lick you know like so we, I've been leaving those and trying to just make them maybe even more bright. There's some techniques you can kind of do within the recipe formulating that aren't changing the recipe, but changing techniques of doing things to, to make them taste different, uh, a little bit more hazy, a little bit more juicy. You know, there's ways to do that. And then, you know, I'm experimenting with that down in the basement. Um, it's not a ba- I mean, it is in the basement, but, um, and it, and it's not a dungeon by any, any, you know, stretch of the mean. I mean, there's windows everywhere. I mean, when it's, when it's nice outside, I mean, it's beautiful down there. So it's not, it's air conditioned. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I, I don't know if I've ever been in an air-conditioned brewery of, that I've ever worked at. Um, so yeah, no, the Lotus, the Lotus, and then the uh, the OG are are kind of the their flagship beers, and and you will see them out in distribution, uh, sure. both in cans and in um, and in cakes. A lot of different, a uh, lot of different bars and restaurants taken on around in Walworth County and, and kind of drifting into Kenosha County. I uh, haven't really made it up to Milwaukee or anything yet, but yeah, that is definitely like flagships for sure. Cool. And I think that's a, a really neat idea to have this like flagship beer and have like different variations of it. You, you mentioned there's some different hops, uh, different hop combinations in the two, which you don't, Usually when, when that's occurring, I think at a lot of breweries, it's like totally different beers. But with these, with your original Stellar Nova and then the um, Stellar Nova with Lotus, you've got these two similar beers just using different hop combinations and allows people to kind of compare the two and, and see you know, what different flavors they're pulling out of these different hop combinations. Yeah, well, and yeah. And, and you know, the other thing is sometimes the recipe formulating allows for that uh, allows for that hop to be featured, right? There's certain situations when in a recipe where you, you wouldn't want to be varying hops because that's not what it's about. But the recipe formulating allows for that to happen, yeah. which is nice. I mean, being able to to make a beer where you don't you don't have too much malt getting in the way, but you have you have enough malt there to make, you know, to make it what it is. But yeah, being able to and I'd like to do some more exper- experimentation. To maybe do like a you know another one, and then see what that one tastes like. Sure. Um, I think it's it's a situation where you know I just started there in in August, so with so much starts happening in a little business like this, and I can do a lot more besides make beer as well. I mean, I can help in the tasting room and do a lot of other stuff, but we're trying to to get distribution really ironed out get our calendars in order because a beer calendar is really important uh, both for a distributor and for our consumers. And then within the tasting room, we get the ability to, to have as many different kinds of beers as we want pilot batching at things that we might want to put in distribution for next year. But yeah, I mean, I would like to, I'm going to start experimenting with other styles swaps because maybe next year we'll, we'll do a stellar Nova mosaic or stellar nova uh mandarina bavaria or, you know uh, who knows man or uh, stellar nova cascade oh <laughs> or like cryo stellar you know stellar nova cryo something you know or you know there's all kinds there of go. there's other so many other tools kind of when i was talking about tools before just even with hops just different style uh, not even styles or varieties from different regions of the world but different ways of that the manufacturers are manufacturing hop substances for us to use, you know, extracts and all kinds of crazy stuff that just terpenes, literally just hop terpenes, being able to just add those into beer is just insane. So it's, it's fun. I'm looking forward to, to kind of moving that along as we move forward. And now that you're in this, uh, this, the size brewery that you're in now, do you have a little bit more interaction and instant feedback from the people drinking your beer in the tap room? Like, are you a little bit more on the floor, if you will, uh, for, for lack of a better term, as as your your beers are getting put on tap? Are you like out there and, and kind of watching the people drinking? I'm, I'm assuming 
maybe incorrectly, at Ale Asylum, you were just pumping out beer and you were stuck in the back of the brew house. And then now you're you're with the people, so more or less. You know, at the Ale Asylum, it, it was a lot. When, <laughs> you know, back in like 2016, we'd get done in the brewery and we would, the you know, give let's call it a Friday night, right? We just put a new beer on or something. We all get done in the brewery. We would all go out and hang out because our friends were there. We'd all go out. So we'd get feedback kind of right away sometimes from that in that realm. Um, this is a lot smaller, right? Like I just walk up some stairs and um, I, I can go either interact with the customer, uh, listen. A lot of times I don't necessarily talk or engage. Right. I do. I listen because a lot of times just listening. And then if, you know, sometimes the our staff will say, hey, that's our brewer at the end of the bar. And then course conversations start from there um which is also then gets you get good feedback you know right. either either way how, however that happens but i'm the, you know yeah i'll go to the floor i won't necessarily um go out of my way to do it but a lot of times like this afternoon you know there was a couple there that they were they were beer geeks they traveled all over the place and you know we talked about beer for a little while and we got to know a little bit about their palates and what they liked. And they enjoyed the beers that we had. But I think uh, instant feedback, it's pretty quick. Because when I put beers on, we're going to know real quick. And, uh, I mean, again, I there's, when I fill a tank completely, I'll, I'll get three and I'll get six, seven half barrels out of a, out of a batch of beer. So we'll get feedback really quick and it goes very quickly. So then we can turn around and make a different variation or move on from there. But yeah, it is a little bit more like I can engage with the customer kind of straight up, but you know, given the location, you know, you get a, a lot of customers that are traveling. These people don't live in Lake Geneva at all. Um, now the, the regulars, I do know, I know they, they come in, we talk, we chat, you know, stuff like that, but a lot of them are traveling people. They're from, uh, which, which is also fun. You get to hear about their stories from there for, you know, from where they're from and the breweries mm-hmm. they get to go to, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Lake Geneva is a hotbed for Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Residents. Yeah. Does that make it a little bit harder to, I guess, nail down your your ideal audience or your target demographic on like what new beers you want to make? Or are you just trying so much that pretty much anyone that walks through that door will find something that they like and then kind of weave through the, the tap lineup? Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I just try to keep a really diverse lineup and people will weave and then we'll just go in and out of different styles. I mean, I've got you know, beers that are planned and then beers that are in tanks. I mean, we've got three, one, two, three, four different styles of beer that are about to come out. I could certainly do uh, some of the styles that we have. There might be a couple that we just need to kind of keep on here and there. But there's just new styles to always try. And you, know, you kind of go and, and to get the gauge of the of the drinker down there, I think they just want new stuff. That's I think that's really what they want. That that's kind of what I'm engaging. It's not necessarily a certain style. No, I will say, and, and I was telling Jonathan this, uh, sours. I mean, like you, we have to have a sour on. It's that is one style that if we don't have it on, 
you're you're missing you're missing out but that's that's (laughs) the time changing again too because you know six eight whatever years ago like if you didn't have the hoppiest ipa on the lineup then people are like well where's your ipa at so like that all ebbs and flows and and weaves in its own pattern as well so what's the next style gonna be? oh yeah yeah and you know and and again you know what is the new style guideline that's going to come out who knows i mean it's really just about kind of using your ingredient, using your tools, using your ingredients and thinking about different ways to use them, you know, like how, and there's so many new things. So if you can be, if you're a person that's, you know, really into new technology and stuff, I mean, technology is great. Technology is really expensive. Okay. Uh, making beer is pretty primitive. And it, <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, Making beer is not difficult. Now, making beer clean and repetitively to taste the same is extremely difficult. And then to even put that then in a can and bottle and get that around the world and make it taste like that is even more tough. So, like, the art of ma- the making beer itself is not hard, but being able to really hone in your ability to make beer good all the time just you no matter what style you've chosen to make you, i there's three things that i that i like to do that i always think about when i'm making beer you know sours are might be a new a new thing that's come in but being able to you know go hey what's the next sour thing that we can do you know what's our next ver- our next variation of a sour is there something else that's you know what i mean what's the next thing um what do these two things taste like together? You know, like, is this the next thing? Um, you know, and, and a lot of the, with the next things to do them on a big scale, uh, you need, you know, kind of special technology and expensive equipment. Um, at a little brewery, you kind of just experiment and move on to the next thing. So Chris, talk about the tap room itself in Lake Geneva. The, you know, it's, it's in an old church, which is, really cool talk about you know the history of the building and just what your tap room looks like because it's it's a really neat space yeah so the the tap house is located in lake geneva 727 geneva street and it is in an old baptist church uh the cornerstone says 1840 uh, i don't know if that's necessarily when the congregation first opened but it i think was one of the first churches or the first church in in Lake Geneva. Wisconsin wasn't even a state yet. <laughs> Correct. 1848 was when, when Wisconsin became a state. So uh, it's a it's a pretty old building. And uh, the owner, uh, the congregation stopped, I believe, in 2011. And the owner bought the building. There was a bookshop in there, a coffee shop. Um, and and you know he bought he looked at it and he wanted to put in a brewery and you know his dad he grew up his his dad loved drinking beer and it was always i think one of it just kind of one of his you know childhood dreams and hobbies to own his own brewery and so he saw this building like geneva and said we're gonna do this you know and they did a lot of work to it. I mean, to make it actually uh, viable to, <laughs> to have that many people in it again and, you know, stuff like that. They, they did a lot of work plumbing and, you know, getting the tanks downstairs. There's only so many, uh, the doors are only so wide, the, you know, stuff like that. 
you know, the downstairs floor was not meant to have a brewery down there, but we make do. I have a, I have a little drain. Jonathan got to see it. I mean, it's, it's a six foot long drain and tanks are not all around there, but you know, you just kind of get used yep. to it. I mean, you know, again, making beer is, is pretty easy. The, 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 the art, the art of it is where the art and sanitation and, and all the recipe formulating is where, you know, a lot of these breweries start to start to be And and the building itself is, it is really cool because the stained glass right behind the taps. Remember I was oh, yeah. there at about five o'clock in the afternoon, the sun is going down and beaming through the stained glass and it looks so beautiful. Um, there might be some pictures of it on our website. Um, we start, uh, they basically, you know, started uh, in, they were supposed to open the day COVID started. I think March 18th of 2020. 20? That would have been the right, yeah. 2020. Um, they were supposed to open that day. Um, so they they didn't <laughs> open that day. Uh, you know, like every business, I think they, they went through a, just a lot of stuff to kind of get, you know, how to open and curbside stuff and all that. Um and, and, and now, you know, essentially, you know, COVID's kind of over and, and it's a building and location that's just beautiful. Um, and it's so readily accessible in, in Lake Geneva, it is right in downtown. Um, and it, it is the only brewery in Lake Geneva yeah. and there used to be Geneva Brewing Company and, uh, they're no longer there. And, and so, you know, for us, it's it's really about you know the retail space, right? Getting people into the retail space and having them see what we have, and and then again providing good products for them once they walk into the beautiful space and are able. You know, they walk in, they're like, oh, like oh, I love this, but like, could you imagine going in there and then tasting the beer and you're like, oh, this is crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that <laughs> that would suck. How many how many jokes do you get a week of people walking in with some like uh, holy water? stupid comment well <laughs> yeah yeah well actually so one of our one of our sayings that is like have you been to church today there you go <laughs> uh i just i just say that i you know i sprinkle i sprinkle the this this magic stuff on it downstairs <laughs> like that's the holy water i i the the alcohol is created downstairs that's the that's the thing they used to use that's the holy water Mm-hmm. You turn, you turn mm-hmm. water into the, the beer Jesus downstairs. of Lake. I mean, Geneva. honestly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the Geneva Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, and water. You know, I mean, you know, believe it or not, you know, Wisconsin's amazing. Got a great water for making beer. It's just high, high alkalinity, and um, in dirt, uh, some places like Lake Geneva, just uh, high iron. Um, and so, yeah, you, you watch out for water. Yeah. Basically we're making bread in a glass, right? I mean, you know, they said drink to your health. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that phrase was coined in, in London, you know, back in like the 1600s. And the only reason they said that was because no one would die when they would drink beer. Because cholera was at it, it was crazy. I mean, they didn't they had to boil water, right? That was the only way you could that you would deal with it. Well, it turns out you boil water at a brewery, right? 
Yeah. That's the science of yeah, it, right? That's, that's, that's what, what happens. Yeah. So so they would say drink to your health. And that was because we would uh we would boil boil the water, make beer, you know, sanitize the water for the yeast. And then that's where table beers came around, was because kids they didn't want them to get sick either, so they would create table beers for them. And they were super low ABV. Um, I'm sure you drink too many of them, you still get a little loopy, but <laughs> Yeah, but, you know but what I mean? But to, I, they'd go to bed easier that night, too, so it all worked out. Well, and, and then there's the, hey, let's put a little brandy on their gums, you know, kind of thing or whatever. Like, you know, or give them a, a hot toddy or whatever, and then they'll go to bed, and they will. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's like the drink to your house. So, yeah, man, we're just kind of making the holy water. That's all we're doing. That's all, that's all we're doing is making the holy water. That's it. With different kinds of things in it sometimes. It's not us. No, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of drinking to your health, let's pour another round and uh, pop up in one of your other topsy-turvy beers and, and talk about it. So don't go anywhere. Pour another round. We'll be right back after we pay our beer tab. Wisconsin's newest craft beverage trail is here. Madison on Tap is a craft beverage trail brought to you by Destination Madison and their craft beverage partners. And this trail is way more fun than the old Oregon Trail computer game that we all used to play. And there's not even any dysentery or starvation (laughs) on this trail. (laughs) Quite the opposite, really. Madison on Tap is your free roadmap to more than 30 breweries, cideries, and distilleries in the greater Madison, Wisconsin region, and their discounts and prizes along the way. Madison on Tap is mobile exclusive, but requires no app download. Sign up at visitmadison.com, and all you need to do is check in at each location you visit on the trail. You'll get some discounts, and you might even receive some extra perks. Tell us about those, Jonathan. Well, just three check-ins gets you a Madison on Tap sticker. Six check-ins gets you a Madison on Tap hat, and 12 check-ins gets you entered to win an overnight Madison craft experience. 12 check-ins seems pretty easy. And even just one check-in, you're guaranteed some great beverages and a good time. Right, exactly. Just head to visitmadison.com slash madison-on-tap to access the trail pass or simply Google Madison on Tap. Cheers and happy trails. The first one we drank was not a recipe created by you, Chris. So... I, th- I think it's it's fair to now pour a round of, of something that, that you've actually sure. created. So we've got uh, your sours in front of us. We've got um, the Beach Blonde Ale, Lake Geneva Lager. Um, what uh, what are you feeling? You choose. You, you guys choose, man. You choose what you want to crack open. I'm coming down with a nasty well, cold, well, so you... I just want to drink to my health. Make me better, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that, is, are you drinking booze? I'm drinking uh, that's, that's, straight I, whiskey. I, just knock the shit out of me. <laughs> are, are you for real? Yeah, I'm drinking whiskey. Not it looks like you're drinking whiskey. That's what I thought. Yeah, not, I was like, he's drinking like some, straight some from some it, Knob man. Creek over here. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was like, he's going for for it cool <laughs> nice yeah, you, you, yeah my, i would too you know sometimes if you get fucking what do they say put some some ginger and and lime in there and you're good i think that's what it is it's, it's medicinal so i digress let's yeah. talk about yeah, the beer not my medicine like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ginger juice um well let's say you, you mentioned them let's talk about your sours and you've got um 
the lemon sour and the berry sour, um, both your creation, correct? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pour the berry sour, and um, and you're drinking the yep. lemon sour over yep, there. Yeah, I am. So talk talk about these sours and how you know they. Um, I I tried one in the tap room too when I was there. I think you had the berry. I think you had the berry one. Yeah. yeah. And I I think I had commented like, I'm not, not at all a sour guy, but I actually really liked that sour. And so I'm excited to try this again. And yeah, well, and, and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, sours, there's a lot of different ways to make sours, right? So, you know, one way is, well, and this is the way that they did it back in the old days was, they just open a tank and leave it open and add fruit to it, and it would sour itself, right? So that was the first way to do it. Yeah. Um, you can do a kettle souring, and and that uses some bacteria that then can can get into your system. Um, and you know, in a lot of situations, they'll have a separate system to do those things. And then you can, you know, some add you know, souring after the fact. And, and I've chose to kind of go the other way, but you know, it's always, I think comes down to the base beer. It's, it's a Berliner Weiss. I mean, it's a Berliner Weiss is a, is a sour, is a sour German, <laughs> German ale. And yeah. our versions of it have just, we, we named it squeezy and, and added, you know, some flavors and some fruit to it. And, the amount of fruits and the amount of souring and then the base beer, um, they are, they're all kind of calculated and the base beer itself. I, when I dialed it in, I, I did a, a, did a really small batch of it and I did it, you know, I had, to, I ended up doing a second batch and I, I kind of changed the, the base of the, the Berliner vice just a little bit and you know getting that base beer uh the correct way and then um you know being able to add the souring after the fact is kind of fun again i get to do kind of a lot of experimentation you know beer is a lot like cooking and baking you know you're putting a little a little bit of something in here and you're measuring that out and or weighing it out and then and then you're you're trying it and then you document it and then you're like do i like that one so Making the sours has been fun. I never made sours until I got to Topsy Turvy. Never, never made a sour. Never like you. Never really even enjoyed sours. And and now look at me. I'm like taking sours home to drink. And um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know we we have other uh, a cranberry sour. So the lemon the lemon sour uh, squeezy the lemons the lemon squeezy and the berry squeezy are available in six pack cans right now and will be uh both of them uh available i believe through the summer and then i believe october and we will have a cranberry uh sour squeezy coming out perfect time to switch over to the cranberry yeah kind of you know seasonality and stuff like that um you know having a, a lemon and and the berry the berry is my favorite i just i i haven't had the lemon for a while so i just was like hey let's do the lemon tonight uh but during the you know during the summer the lemon i i can't even tell you how well it goes with a vodka <laughs> uh it, it really does i mean you could even go with a naked seltzer and throw, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things with, with, with this beer that, you know, you can, you can do it. They're fun. Um, you know, there's something, I don't know why I like it so much. 
I, I don't know. I it's just I like sour things, but I just never really liked it in beer. I, I now I I just I like it. <laughs> it satiates my palate. Well, and you you said you created this recipe. So how do you create a recipe for a beer that you know you that you at least think you're not even gonna like? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, you know, so they had a, a version of a of a sour you know basically they had a version of one of these and so i tried it and i was like i like the sourness but there's something else going on that i don't like about it and so i kind of just said well okay well let's try this again and then let's just do it the way that i think sh- it should go and it kind of, it turned out. I mean, I mean, again, like I told you guys, I mean, when you, a lot of brewers, when they've been doing this for a long time, they go, okay, this is this style of beer. You know, we know how to make this out. We kind of do, 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 do. And then you have other things after the fact that you're doing. Once the beer is done, I think is where the work really starts. <laughs> Cause the base beer itself is a really, is really easily done. It's after the fact. Um, it's finding how to how much souring to add, how much fruit puree to add, how much you know what what is that threshold? Where is it? You know, and finding that out, and then and then reproducing it on a big scale. So you know, upping it to a big bright tank. Well, I can do it in my little bright tanks. Well, let's up it to a bigger bright tank. I mean, a lot of it's just math, but. Um, you know, I had tasted a little bit, so I kind of like, I was like, oh, this is kind of good. I like this. I think I can make it better though. And so I really started like then getting into it. And and to me, that's where I, it really kind of hooked me. I liked it and I was like, oh, this is good. And then I, but I can make it better. And so we did. I mean, we, yeah. we just said, you know, we're going to do that. And, and people really, I mean, these two, two particular flavors um, have gone really well, even to this, uh, to the extent where I've reached out to the company that we were using the, the puree from to get a special blend for us in a bulk format so that we the, can, the Riffy, so the Riffy blend, the Riffy blend, the Riffy blender. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about the 18 year old Riffy. <laughs> that wasn't a dance move when I was a kid. <laughs> So, but that that also goes to like how beer how beer styles have evolved over the years as well. Like when I first started trying sours when they were really emerging a handful of years ago, whatever whatever that was, I didn't like them either. And then as as I tried them more, you know, your palate evolves. But I also think the brewery side of things have evolved that that style of beer as well. I remember the first few times I tried it, it was very like soapy there were some dank ones there were some fruity ones yeah. and it was just kind of like yeah. there were some off off-putting flavors to me not that the brewery was doing anything wrong like but it was just heavy. like yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't why, why yeah no uh, agreed i i agree with you a thousand percent and and again i think this goes back to what i alluded to and have alluded to a few times is the tools and resources that brewers are given and 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 the technology that that we have now it's different before to make a sour again you would kettle sour it or just do open fermentation right well when you do either of those you've committed like when you do kettle souring you've committed to how sour it's going to be 
Well, you can't and, really change it. And with the open right? tank, there's not. I I can't imagine there's much control. There, there's, there's no control. So that's what I'm saying. So yeah. so what you're getting is a is a product that's kind of sort of it's good, but it's inconsistent and it doesn't happen the same way yeah. all the time. And so now what we're finding is with these tools that we have that we can make consistently the same products now in cans and bottles or or at the brewery on draft all the time. And that's the approach that I took it. I wanted to use one of these tools and I use it on a very, again, like, you know, hundred mil, hundred mil cups full of, you know, product and do stuff with it, you know? Um, but we didn't have those tools back, you know, even eight, eight years ago we didn't have we didn't have that available to us and now as we're seeing and we're seeing other breweries now finally coming out with sours on a mass scale i mean drecker has been doing fruited sours for a really long time and i i call them they are the top of the chain say, they're on a whole different level that than stuff. literally anyone else they are on a in the in the stratosphere i mean i i tell everyone about drecker i'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm about to brew something next week that I'm going to try and give them a run for their money. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to see, like, I, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of things that they're doing, but, but I'm going to see if I can make something similar. Cause I, I really enjoy buying their products. Unfortunately in Lake Geneva, I can't find Drecker products. So I have to go back to Madison to do that. <laughs> Not yeah, I was going to say they're not around as much as as they were. Oh, man, I'll be back in Madison soon. A lot of times that I have conversations with people who make beer, or at least are around around the making of beer, talking about Drecker, more times than not, the question is like, do they just fuck up their system all the time with how much everything they're throwing <laughs> in there? You know, I, I don't know. It's a good question because they are like, how, how do you how are you going to prepare for that? <laughs> Well, well, so a lot of it's done on the bright tank side. So okay. when you're doing a lot of stuff that they're doing, you're doing it on the bright tank side. It's not done in the brew house. They're making a base beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then they're, then it, they make a hundred barrels of a base beer and they say, Hey, let's make three bear, three different beers out of it. They already have the recipes made, right? Like everything's ready to go. It's just, what are they putting in the bright tank with it? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then, and you know, and, and stuff like that. So in that case, but what I like about Drecker, and, and this is just, you know, they make really good IPAs too. Yep. They don't, it's not just the fruited and, and, and sour stuff. Like they make good beers as well, like, like traditional style beers. So I think when you find a brewery that can do both, I think, I think, I think you're finding that they're being really creative and that they're able to do both things. Um, and I think finding a niche like they have is a good thing too. And I think they found it early and they were damn good at doing it early. Yeah. And, and I think they've only continued to get better at it. And I think the marketing and the logoing that they have, I mean, you take one of those cans, you take the sticker off and put it on something. You make like a, you know, a, a an eclectic collage of whatever, you know, all the stuff that they have. Right. It's pretty cool. Not only that, I'm a pinball guy. So um, they were named the uh a year ago they were the stern brewery pinball uh lounge of the year uh they had like 12 stern machines all i mean it looked absolutely i've never been out to to their brewery but 
Um, I will when I get a chance, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a pinball dude too. And I can just imagine they are too, for, for some reason. If they, I mean, if you have 12 pinball machines at your place, you're, you're pinball people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So when, when is your, uh, your, your style that's going to give them a run for their money? When is that expected to be released? Well, you know, I don't know if it's going to give them a run for their money. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I do. I'm, I'm going to try I'm, and brew I'm, I'm, I'm holding you to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so we're going to brew it next week. So it's going to probably be uh, middle of March. Okay. By the time it, by the time it pops through the system, uh, what is where we? Maybe, maybe a little earlier than that, but generally three weeks for things to kind of make it through and and kind of get kegged up and and stuff like that. Um, this was, you know, something that I've wanted to brew for a long time, and I had a recipe for that I never got to make, and I had it. I was ready to make it at Ale Asylum. I had it. I was ready. I was like, let me do this thing. It's going to be expensive, but let me do it. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, putting fruit and puree and all the other things, like I, stuff's just expensive. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze. Absolutely. So just no pun intended, there it is. I guess. Well, and, and I know you already, uh, you, you said this in the middle of a conversation, but I want to blatantly ask a question. Where can people find Topsy Turvy beer on distribution? Uh, in distribution, um, Walworth County, uh, most, you know, of your, your beer outlets that are in Walworth County, again, we're a small brewery, um, just, you know, now me getting back into, or with them, I'm able to really facilitate a lot of the contract brewing and get it done on a consistent level. So we're, we're about to, to get everything kind of popped out here. CJW is our distributor, uh, where we want to, uh, kind of venture over into Kenosha and Racine, um, and then eventually kind of make it up in the Milwaukee, but Walworth, uh, Lake Geneva area, um, you know, a lot of your, the restaurants, the, some of the nicer restaurants, you know, if you go over to Mars, Grand Geneva, uh, which is one of the big, big hotels around here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's kind of, kind of big deal, it's but they, beautiful, they beautiful have a beer course. on tap. Yeah. Yeah. Three of them apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but they, so, so they have, there's local places that have us on, um, that is going to start to expand and change. And we'll start adding things to our website where, you know, we call the beer finder, where you can find our things, uh, where it's on tap, where it's in cans. Um, these are all things that as a small, small brewery that has been open, not even quite three years yet. Um, they're assembling the team to help facilitate get this beer and and get it uh the knowledge like from you guys you know and from uh where are you on tap and then and then find our website and and through social media channels and things like that and it's been you know a, a situation where they're continually to try and evolve and we're trying to to expand where where we're available um but i think we have one salesperson. His name is uh, his name is Tr. Bless his heart. He's on vacation now for the next month. <laughs> uh, but you know, as a as a as a again a small brewery in downtown Lake Geneva, the uh, distribution footprint is pretty small. But we'd like to get that bigger. But we're definitely available with twenty taps of beer in downtown Lake Geneva. Um, and you can always our hours right now for seasonality. We're we are open on. Uh, Thursday through Monday, 
and and it is from 11 or we're open on with the weekdays from one until nine and on the weekends from 11 until uh nine and during the summer we'll open back up on on tuesdays and wednesdays because you know sometimes I, it's just seasonal you know in the area i recently read that miss america is coming to lake geneva do you think she will be coming to your brewery to hang out with you uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, the windows are more beautiful than hers, so she she will take backseat to the maybe, windows. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You know, I don't know. Is she a beer girl? Well, only you one. Know, I don't know. Out, I don't she know. a beer girl? I mean, we we do have wine. We do have wine as well. Um, she's but, she's from Wisconsin. You know, I bet she's a beer girl. Is she from Wisconsin? She's from Wausau. Shut yeah. the front door. Yeah, Miss America is yeah. is the former Miss. She just Wisconsin. got crowned, really? and she's she's coming to Lake Geneva like next week or something like that. Well, I, mean, yeah, I think she's hitting hitting Madison. Oh, she's making the rounds, and, huh? Yep. Huh, we're gonna have to mm-hmm. find out where she is going <laughs> or where she's staying. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Get her, get her, get some topsy turvy beer in her. We'll hand. get a six pack variety six pack in her hands for sure. There you go. She might not be a beer girl. Who knows? Perfect. All press is good press. Well, we can we can hope, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and you know, as far as as getting your beer out, you know, out into the world far and wide too, with Lake Geneva being you know such a a, a traveled destination for people out of Chicago and out of Illinois and and people you know headed north too, that's that's got to be a, a benefit to you guys too of. You know, there's, there's, there's of course very loyal locals in Lake Geneva that that like to drink beer too. But there's a ton of traffic coming out out of state and and you know from other destinations too. Yeah, no, Lake Geneva. I, I mean, <laughs> it goes from an eighty two hundred you know person small city to uh, fifty thousand people overnight, and so. Yeah, we, we get a lot of traffic, and and the thing is, is we need to have availability when the traffic comes in, um, and we're, we're we're working on that. That means carry out. We we do uh, thirty two ounce growlers. We have uh, glass growlers as well. Uh, we have sixteen ounce cans that we fill of things that are on tap, and then we also have what we have in distribution, uh, which is the you know Lake Geneva Lager, um, with the two the two squeezies that we were talking about, um, the two uh, stellar stellar Nova Lotus and the stellar Nova OG, uh, the Lake Path Locale IPA, which is you don't have that in your in your six pack that's getting canned up next week. Um, and then the uh, Geneva Beach Blonde. I think you have one of those in your in your six pack there. Yep. Um, we'll yep. have a new uh, seasonal popping out in uh, a couple new seasonals uh, popping out uh, in March and oh, uh, Awaken Red Amber, and then uh, uh, just a real real small seasonal that I'm doing at the brewery, and it's called Pego My Heart Irish Red. Mm. So that is uh, a little bit of an homage to the owner's uh, wife. So I uh, did my version of that. So yeah, okay. um, as far as uh, you 
availability to 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 get beers where we have beers coming out but we're, we're trying to get a bigger footprint as we're as we're moving out as we're moving along here mm-hmm. so stop yes. in the tap room take the beers uh-huh. back to chicago <laughs> tell all your mm-hmm. friends <laughs> and you guys serve food too you have food um and in the tap room we do have some pizzas we have we have pretzels um you know the the uh not a huge variety of food but enough to kind of keep people there and and enjoying another pint of beer if if that's what they choose to do. Awesome. Well, I was going to do what you were about Go to ahead, do. Cameron. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, uh, you you talked about some of your your beers that you enjoy, some of the styles that you don't enjoy. You talked about Drecker, but uh, a question that we ask everyone on the podcast is: if you're not drinking your own beer, what would we find you drinking to just? Shut off work and enjoy yourself, whether that's beer, booze, or otherwise. Um, or a go-to beer style you know, is also a common answer. Yeah, you know, I'm really opening up my just kind of opening up my my mind as I go to the liquor store now, and i opened it up to many things you know i've had the revolution uh has uh, a sour uh variety pack out there that i've grabbed um i i like uh bourbon a lot so (laughs) i uh have a bottle of eagle rare that i'll i'll do a couple fingers every once in a while with a, a cube um i do like vodka as well but you know if i'm drinking beer if and, it, and it's somebody else's i'm trying to find a different variety or style that i haven't had because i have i try to do this a lot i try to go out and buy uh something i i'm not gonna go out and buy uh you know a bunch of pilsners you know or whatever but i'm just trying to find something new something new that i haven't tried even if it, it you know, a brewery that I haven't heard of, I'm kind of like, oh, what is this? You know, I'm really just an open book at this point. I like to try, man, it's weird to go away from hops, but I used to just look for like new hazies or, you know, on an IPA or a pale ale. And that's not what I'm looking for necessarily all the time. Now, if I find a good one, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to snatch it up for sure. Um, but I'm really just looking for a variety of styles that I, I could almost say I've never had that either the style or i've never had that beer of the style um i I used to do new beer sundays that was kind of the thing i used to do and and i haven't really been able to experience it as much in lake geneva uh given there's the liquor stores there is a couple liquor stores in town there geneva liquor and bruno's they're both great stores uh they just don't have the crazy the variety that i was able to get in madison it was it was different i could i could go over to woodman's and whoo you can get lost in that place. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, Holy yeah. cow. Or, you know, Hy-Vee or, you know, wherever. I mean, you can just like get lost and, and it's fun. I mean, that's what it makes, fun, I think, yeah. beer fun is that so many other people make so many other good beers that I'd love to get my hands on them. And, and I try to just find that. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friend, when I, my friend used to could just call me, call me bullheaded. He's like, yeah, I just go over IPAs and everything. I'm just like, <laughs> he was right and he wasn't he wasn't wrong and and so i i started to change that a little bit as i started to go go down and get older i don't know we get older and wiser maybe. <laughs> there you go i don't know <laughs> sure <laughs> At least that's what I think. 
Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us and for another round today. Oh my God, thanks for having me. And and talking about topsy-turvy in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. For our listeners, be sure to check out uh, topsy-turvy in downtown Lake Geneva. Check out the tap room, take some beers to go, or find your beers around Walworth County and the Lake Geneva mm-hmm. area. And um, stop in, say hi to Chris Riffenberg. He's the he's the man, the myth, the legend <laughs> of uh, the former head brewer of Ale Asylum, which which many of us know. And then um, you know head brewmaster or brew, head brewmaster at uh, Topsy Turvy in Lake Geneva. So we're uh, we're excited to to have had you on. Get your story, your backstory, and and on your brewing industry, your brewing history, and your experience in in the industry. So thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me on and um, you know, we're, we're going to, we'll definitely get things into the website from the podcast here to try and, you know, we'd like to, you know, get your podcast known to more people as well. Um, And, you know, you you know, having people like you in the industry is fun um, because it, kind of lets people just be who they are and so uh, i appreciate you having me on kind of just let me talk about you know how beer in my life went so awesome for sure cool well when uh when people are visiting the tap room or grabbing your beers to go be sure to pour another round for us cheers i appreciate it guys thanks have a great night cheers cheers thanks for listening to this episode of pour another round be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms facebook instagram or twitter at or another round. We'll be sharing news and information from breweries who are friends of the show. You can also find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries as well. Until next time, be sure to pour yourself another round. <laughs>